Thank you, Jesus. We're grateful and thankful to have Peter and Tony worshiping in our midst. Yeah, we were praying, many of you. We had the opportunity to meet and beat the global pandemic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus um, disciples were anxious to know exactly when the various difficulties, catastrophes that Jesus had just let them know were certainly going to unfold, much like in their historical religious memory would have been like the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the various ones who had dramatic, oftentimes disastrous predictions and announcements that they were making about empires, political systems, kings, kingdoms, but specifically focused on finding and recognizing Israel, the people of God, in those contexts. And now here is the young rabbi whose followers have now come to understand he is the fulfillment of the promised one spoken of by the prophets. And they have also been witnessing his miracles, the signs and wonders that all who were brought to him who were oppressed or ill or troubled in any way were healed, delivered, restored, set free. And he's taking them on a little tour of the city and specifically around the temple, which was the locus or the epicenter, the, the, the recognized bastion, if you will, of their identificational security as the confirmed people of God in the earth. The ones who were the peculiar treasure, the special treasure, the nation out of all the nations. But it was also the case that in their years of religious ritual and tradition, certain assumptions had seeped in and their religion had become a dead law that had in fact become rather than a liberator, an oppressor of the people who were following it. And Jesus began to tell them straightforward that a shift was coming and there would be catastrophic events that would usher in much like birth pangs, bring forth a baby, would usher in the final confrontation of God in person. His kingdom with the kingdoms of the earth. And the, the disciples ask him, what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? When will all these things be? And this is his answer. He said, be careful how you ask what the intention of your question is what you're assuming. Be careful in order that you don't be deceived, misdirected, thrown off track, come to the wrong conclusions, perhaps even listen to liars. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the one. In other words, many will rise saying the answers are in me. Follow me. I have all the answers for you. Therefore, don't follow them. But when you hear of wars, commotions, don't be terrified. For these things must first come to pass. The end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation. The word is ethnos. Literally, ethnic groups. In confrontation and contradiction of one another. Competition. Competition 
with one another. Empire, kingdoms, political systems against political systems. Kings against kings. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places. Just recently, there was, within this last few months, another devastating earthquake in Haiti following a devastating hurricane. And we've shared with you that we had an opportunity to be a part of encouraging a missional work that is doing specific disaster relief. And one of the leading uh, individuals, a freshly retired Green Beret, was in the mountains in Haiti for two weeks using the survival skills learned in being a Green Beret with the Marines and using those skills to locate and rescue still living human beings that had been buried under the rubble of the earthquake, many of them for three, four, five days, and get them out and call in rescue helicopters to get them to the hospital. There will be great earthquakes in various places. Famines. The migrations, the mass migrations that are happening all around the world, and I doubt if this has ever occurred before in the history of the world. It's not just the literal millions that are flooding across our southern borders, but there are mass migrations of various sizes taking place across many nations in many places. And we are beginning to see in the news how political systems and kingdoms, kings, are trying to uh, deal with this problem of displaced peoples and families who are fleeing from famine or war or commotions or, flee or, or, or taking advantage for nefarious reasons of migrating, leaving their homeland and everything, sometimes at great expense and at great danger or, again, with deliberate nefarious intentions and moving in mass into another territory, another kingdom. So there are probably more displaced people on the earth right now than ever before in the history of the world. And it's significant because it is the utter trauma to a human being and the utter confusion of identity which means massive numbers of people are more open to the enemy of our soul, to spiritual assault, to demonic attack, to deceptions and lying, to being used, abused, and taken advantage of than ever before. And in the midst of this, the church has been called, let the lower lights be burning, to guide the ships to safe harbor. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. How many of you took time to watch the lunar eclipse? It's rumored that it's only once in every 500 years or so that it happens like that, where the planets align differently than in the normal cycle. And there is an eclipse of the moon. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you. Who's they and who's you? They. The persons who are the ambassadors, the emissaries of the kingdoms of the earth. The philosophies of men false religions. And who's you? That's us, the lower lights. The people who have been born again through a miraculous supernatural event that has occurred in reality in our bodies, minds, and hearts and transferred us as citizens out of the earthly kingdoms into the eternal one now. Say now. Say, that's us. Let the lower lights be burning. Thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Ask him, are you burning? Come on. Are you burning? 
You know, that was one of the cries of one of the great old Welsh revivals. And they would turn to one another, speaking of the fire of the Holy Ghost and the complete awakening in the revival of God in that hour. Are you burning, they'd ask. Come on, look at your neighbor. Ask them, are you burning? They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues. There's going to be some religious controversy, kingdom against kingdom, even in the context of religion and faith and spiritual matters and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Let it soak in. Because this is a pertinent word to us in discerning the times and the seasons that we live in. And being able to recognize the voice of the Lord and move on his word in our decision making. In our understanding of the events around us and the potential assaults on our way of living, our way of thinking. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Really? Ethnic conflict is your opportunity to be a witness. Political controversy is your opportunity to be a witness. Natural disasters are opportunity to be a witness. The want of all things, personal persecution, opportunity to be burning as a light guiding all who see to the safe passage into the kingdom of heaven and to the Lord of glory, the King of kings. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. I know some of you already started thinking about that as I was talking about these events. I saw Deanna. She was getting her answers ready for the people who would challenge her as to why in the world she has the demeanor, the faith, the confidence, the hope, the joyful attitude, the triumphal demeanor that she has when the world around us may seem like it's falling apart and everybody is at war with everybody else. Don't worry about it in advance. Don't meditate before on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth. Touch your mouth, even though they say, don't touch your mouth, wash your hands, put on a mask, touch your mouth. Jesus said, I will give you a mouth. You got a mouth? This is a word coming home to each one of us today in fresh revival glory, folks. We have been positioned, you have been positioned individually and together as a community whole in our context, in our generation, to have a prophetic voice. And it's more than just prophesying in a moment. It includes all of that, of being able to come with a word of wisdom or a word of healing or a word of deliverance. I know that Virgie in the school and in the school pickup line, she's constantly a lower light on fire with a word, a word of encouragement, a word of healing, a word of direction and wisdom, even for her superiors. Let the lower lights be burning. So settle it in your heart. I will give you a mouth. Say a mouth. Say, I have a mouth. Say it again. Hey, that's right. And wisdom. That's very important. <laughs> because many of us, self-included, definitely fall into the regular habit of using our mouth for many things other than wisdom. It doesn't mean to be quiet, but it means to be able to direct that mouth as a testimony, a spoken word, 
a direction, an insight, a perspective. When Michael said the Mona Lisa from another perspective, I recognize that the tags are hanging out on the back of her dress, and she's starting to bald if you look at her from the back. <laughs> a mouth and wisdom. Say wisdom. Wisdom. Friends, can I suggest to you, I believe one of the things for American believers has been the, the crashing together, the perfect storm, if you will, a litany of potentially and very realistically catastrophic events that have come like wave after wave after wave over this last two, two and a half years. And what is it? that we are supposed to be gaining. I believe it's wisdom and the mouth, the prophetic voice of the Lord. I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Wow! How do you like that? Everything that I see in the media dynamic and people's use of social media, for instance, it certainly doesn't lead to the thing where the adversaries of one person's, you know, perspective say, you know, you're right. You're right. I never thought of that before. I never realized that. You know what? I agree with you. What's your secret? Where did you get that wisdom? You will be betrayed. Wow. And then that list is difficult. Disappointed, maybe even betrayed by those closest to you. And one of the warnings, probably the strongest warning of the New Testament and of the Gospels of Jesus himself, was that as these layers of difficulty come like birth pangs of a woman preparing to bring forth a child will come on the earth like birth pangs in the advance of the coming of the Lord. Recognize all of these things. When you see them, look up. Every one of them indicates he's coming. He's even at the door. So let the lower lights be burning. Betrayal by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Now, that event was something that everyone, with the possible exception of John, the apostle, who managed to miraculously survive prison and being boiled in oil and all kinds of persecutions that came against him and ended up as an old man, a slave laborer in the salt mines on the Isle of Patmos where he had his most dramatic encounter, the final revelation and word of our Bibles. But every one of these gospel writers from whom we take direction and wisdom and inspiration, every one of them, ultimately experienced martyrdom. And aside from America and a few of the Western nations, in many places on the earth today, in our generation, it's still a reality. We're believing faith in Jesus Christ made public as a testimony is also your death sentence. And what is it that God would be saying to us in America? He said, you'll be hated by everybody. The church in America has tried very hard to be liked. It's painful to be rejected. It's disorienting. 
And God forbid that we're rejected for wrongdoing or evil doing. But if we recognize that our worldview is different and that indeed, like the law of gravity, it flies in the face of worldly wisdom. you are automatically positioned to be at opposition with the current of the world. A mouth and wisdom. Hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say they will put some of you to death? Not a hair of your head. He's talking about two dimensions that meet together where ultimately one reigns over the other, including life eternal over mortal death. And in that, for believers to continually find a place of renewal and hope and confidence and clarity to center ourselves again with a word of testimony, a word of wisdom, not retreating from the battlefield, but entering in all the more fully as we see the day approaching. Not a hair of your head shall be lost. And here's the kicker. Verse 19. This was a watchword a word in the watch a few weeks ago, and I want to encourage you again. The watch of the Lord that we have been drawn into and assigned by the Lord as a community for the last 26 years, every Friday night here and online, communal corporate prayer and worship together. And do you know what? It is still like the spinal column for the identity, the faith, the strength, the ongoing unction that comes like a glory cloud, like the Shekinah that follows Israel over our community, over your house and mine, your life and mine. Whether we realize it day to day or not, that legislative body gathered round the throne in the activity of our corporate prayers in the watch on Friday night is covering and carrying us all. And I encourage you once again strongly to make it a regular part of your schedule. It is uniquely, it has been uniquely the place where we have learned to hear the voice of the Lord, where we have learned how to be discipled in following the wind and the trends of the Spirit, where we have begun to sharpen the gifts that he has given us. And most importantly, to recognize we're joined to one another. We are joined to one another in rejoicing and suffering, in victories and challenges. We're joined to one another and we're for one another. And it certainly is a balm, a Gilead balm for the many places the world and our otherwise circumstance has no medicine. The recognition that we're joined to one another around the Lord, around his throne in this earth. Verse 19, by your patience. Say patience. So what is Jesus' prescription for encountering and confronting all of these difficulties? By your patience, you possess your soul. Say patience. Romans chapter 5 says, in fact, the end of chapter 4. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Say justification. That is standing before a judge. We all watched 
these last several days as a young man named Kyle Rittenhouse was finally put on trial in open court for catastrophic events over a year ago where that young man had a literal potential life sentence hanging over his head from the time he was 17 until just this week. And in his mind would have been, and in his body would have been replaying again and again the catastrophic and regretful events a year ago when for various reasons he made certain decisions to be one of what we have seen for the last almost two years, multiple hundreds of thousands of rioters that have been in our streets. Some there to wreak havoc and destruction and to use it as a cover of darkness for all kinds of other crimes against humanity. And some there to resist that with force if necessary. And that young man did not go there as a rioter. He went with, naive or not, innocent intentions, according to the jury. And we saw he was cleaning graffiti off that the rioters had you know, scribbled everywhere, putting out fires, picking up trash. And step by step, identified with some of the businesses that had been looted and burned and various things. And as you know, he ended up being literally chased by individuals who were rioters. And the three in particular named in the case were not good people. But that's not my point. I'm thinking about the trauma in Kyle's heart and mind and body. Neuroscientists tell us that traumas, especially things that include violence, or things that assault us in a violent way, and that can be more than physical violence, can be emotional traumas, literally create folds in our gray matter, in our brain. Become like a, 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 a plow digging a furrow. And into that place is the possibility of recurring reaction of either fighting or fleeing that triggers off all kinds of hormonal flooding that can take over your body. Some people, it creates a red rage. Some people, it uh, creates a panic attack. And typically, with no control over those hormonal responses that come, our nation as a whole community has been through many of these. I want to suggest to you that we are reeling right now. People are not in their right minds. And there is only one place where a mouth with wisdom can be found. According to the Bible, the church is the ground and pillar of truth. And so it's very important for us that we hear what the Lord is saying and are able to respond in the immediate scenarios that we find ourselves positioned, but also in a bigger picture, in a wider way of understanding how the church responds to the events of our day. But as a nation, we have been through a number of catastrophic events. No one can deny that Two summers and the fact that we have multiple inner cities that are in utter devastation from all of the rioting that did occur, has occurred. Over what? Ethnic tension. Ethnic tension. Businesses 
left devastated. Whole families' lives turned upside down. Many people injured, some people having lost their lives. There is one place where there is a mouth and wisdom. It will be the church of the living God. And we must not back off from the responsibility and opportunity of our calling and our anointing in this hour. Complicate that with a global pandemic of nefarious origins. Complicate that with a continual changing of so-called science. Complicated with mandated requirements on persons oftentimes threatening their very livelihood and support for their family based on whether or not people are willing or eager to inject something into their bodies that is not yet tested. And the whole world became a giant laboratory. And that's the truth. We will not know exactly what, if any, long-term effects there are from the vaccines. But we were taken by surprise. And then how do you respond? You have to find your conscience. You have to get your head clear. Find your way in the Word. And then find your place in a community. And if you remember, we said in this community at the beginning of all these controversies, we said we're going to the rule of food in the New Testament. Where there were wranglings over you can eat this, you can't eat that, and people were trying to divide communities and, you know, some were for and some were against and all of that. And we said not in this house. We are going to be for one another. Allowing one another to have a clear conscience and conviction before the Lord and follow those steps and together as a whole community, vaccinated or un, we were going forward as one people, one family. And we've seen now in our society in places like Los Angeles where now you are an enemy of the people if you're not vaccinated. This is reprehensible, absolutely reprehensible. So what am I saying? It's true. We're not denying when we come to church that out there in the world, it's a challenge. But we are absolutely gathering around the throne because we believe and know with all of our hearts that he has given us his spirit. He has justified us before the court of heaven. We have been made right in his sight. And we have an anointing and a calling for this generation. And a purpose behind it. And are not going to be overwhelmed by any of these things. When I watched young Rittenhouse as one after the other, the jury of his peers, having mulled over all of the evidence presented in court for and against him, acquitted him of the charges one by one. And you saw the emotions welling up as his strength of determination was giving way to the flood of relief. And finally, when they said on the fifth count, not guilty, his knees buckled and he collapsed in relief. And I had a similar reaction. And in that moment, my reaction was partially for him and watching him and thinking about the nation and how there would be a dramatic response for and against that conclusion and what that portended. But for me, I was looking at that young man thinking of myself on the day that I will stand before the judgment bar of God. And my advocate 
my attorney will step up with my case and speak for me and turn before God, the judge of all, the courts of heaven and all eternity in heaven and earth and say of me, not guilty, justified, made righteous, set apart, redeemed, special treasure. By your patience, you possess your souls. Reading on Romans 5, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access, say access, by faith into this grace, say access to grace. What is this grace for? This grace is for gaining from God the presence and strength to continue in certainty of faith with a clear eye and a firm mind in the face of every contradiction. Into this grace wherein we stand, say stand, and rejoice, say rejoice, in hope of glory. So look at the pro progression there. Justified, peace, access, grace, standing, rejoicing, and hope and glory. So this is a continual washing, a continual renewal of state. And it will be out of that hope and glory we will have a mouth and wisdom. But it's by your patience you possess your souls. And not only so, but we glory, say glory, in tribulations. What? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you burning? <laughs> we glory in tribulation, famines, earthquakes, COVID, election traumas. Do you know January 6th was a response, a cry of anguish, representative of a massive number of people who absolutely experienced becoming voiceless. And that demonstration, it didn't, it, the intention was simply to go there and say, we have a voice. And yet the powers that were, were saying, you do not have a voice and your voice doesn't matter. It's the same way that many of the demonstrations were inspired. And I'm not saying they were right in their philosophy or ideology. You've heard us speak on the Black Lives Matter movement itself as a philosophy, a spiritual practice, and we stand in abject opposition to that. But the phrase itself is a trap because black lives do matter. But if it means to be co-opted to an ideology that is literally dedicated and devoted to spiritual practices of worshiping demons, which I'm not, you know, exaggerating there, we've gone through all that a couple of years ago, then no, we're not going to be those who put that banner up on our house. Are you with me? Are you there? All right. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. That all of these things are actually the setup for us to stand firm and secure in our faith unto salvation. Hello. Wow. You mean trouble actually is on my side. Come on, are you there? Tribulation works patience. Say patience. Patience gives you experience. It's true because if you don't quit the game, you're going to keep learning how to make the goal, how to go around the, the, the uh, defense and all of those things, right? Wisdom is gained 
wisdom is gained. And experience hope because little by little, you began to see the Lord's way through little victory by little victory. We've named a number of victories that we have experienced together individually and as a community even this week. And so as we're moving towards Thanksgiving, we are going to be a thankful people, a rejoicing people, a people who are standing strong, not afraid of the hard questions, not afraid of the opposition, not unwilling to hear an alternate voice that may speak against us, try to contradict and challenge us to actually have an answer, a testimony of the gospel and of what we know, who we know and what we believe. Patience, experience, hope. Say hope. And hope does not bring shame. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. James says, know this, the testing of your faith works patience. He uses the same word Jesus did. He says you in James chapter 1 verse 2, you will fall into many and diverse temptations. To what? To fall away from the faith. To stop believing to stop giving testimony, to be persuaded by deception or by lies. And I started to say it before, the greatest warning of our Gospels is that this, these things continue in generations leading up to the appearing of the Lord. The challenge is, the danger is, the hearts of many will grow cold and people will give up the faith. And I stand before you today to look at your faces and say, my family, my sisters, my brothers, we are not of those who shrink back, but of those who persevere to the saving of the soul. Our God is a consuming fire, and we are citizens of another kingdom. And our king is reigning, and he is coming. So in all of these things, we say glory. In all of these things, we say faithful and true. He is faithful and true. And just finally, Romans 8, verse 22 says, We know the whole creation is groaning and travailing in pain. Right up to this moment. And not only that, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits, the engagement ring, the beginning, the giving of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, who have the first fruits of the presence of Almighty God with us. Even we groan within ourselves, waiting for this full adoption when we will be shed of even this mortal body and all of these challenges that we must face and embrace and not allow to drive us into contradiction of who we believe and what we believe. But all the more press into him with certainty. Even the redemption of our bodies, we are saved by hope. But if you're hoping for something that is seen, that's not hope. We continue to go through even when we don't see what we're hoping for. That is Christian hope. Say hope. Ask your neighbor, are you burning? Are you burning? If we hope for what we don't see, then we patiently wait for it. So there it is again. We can't get away from it. Ah, oh, in your patience. You possess your souls. You got to get knocked down and get up again. What does the wisdom say? The wisdom book. The righteous man, seven times. But he gets up again. Seven times. Seven times 70. 70 times seven. Forgive the betrayals, the disappointments relationally. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Say, the Spirit's helping my weakness today. We don't know how to pray as we should. Suddenly, prayer has stepped into this battlefield as though it was standing there all along saying, I'm your secret to victory. Prayer. We need to be revived in our prayer. Revived in our prayer. Ask your neighbor, are you burning? I pray the prayer altar of your spirit is continually in a state of I give you thanks, O Lord, faithful and true, around the throne. The lower lights are burning. Hallelujah. He helps us in our weaknesses when we don't know how to pray as we should. Look at this. He himself. Have you wondered about this scripture? Makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you know why? It's telling us here that the Holy Spirit takes up the depth of anguish that could come out of a human soul in the face of contradiction in this world, of opposition coming against us, of facing huge challenges, going through traumas and tragedies that are inexpressible beyond anger, beyond words. Beyond love, beyond grief, just leaving us otherwise voiceless in a sense. And the Holy Spirit steps in and says, oh, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. Me and Jesus, we're interceding. We're your intercessors, your advocate. We've got you. We've got you. And then breathe again and let your voice be heard. It's legitimate to complain. David did it continually. A man after God's own heart. It's legitimate to complain when you have a legitimate complaint. When you have a legitimate complaint, you have a voice because you have an advocate with the Father. The righteous one will never turn his ear away from a legitimate complaint. And I think in sometimes in our Christianese and our religiosity, we don't allow people a place of voice when they have a legitimate complaint, a trauma, a hurt, something that it needs to get out. But we don't stand on it, stay on it, rest on it, that furrow that has been dug in our minds. That everything that comes along then, you'll fall back in that ditch. Back into that place of trauma and anger, rejection, isolation. We're going to stand up and stand up as a community, members of one another, and go forward. The Spirit searches the hearts. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here it is. And we know. I'd like us just to stand together. Say, and we know. Do you remember? Do you remember the litany? Being justified by faith, we have peace through Christ, access into grace in order to stand in hope and glory. Hallelujah. We know. Say we know. All things work together for good. Come on, saints. We know. All things work together for good. Turn around and prophesy to somebody. We know. All things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Say all things. All things. Look at your neighbor. Say, are you burning? Are you burning? Our God is a consuming fire. Come on, saints. And let me just say again, 
in all of the victories, in all of the things that we've even enumerated here today of our little victories, our big victories together in rejoicing with members of this body and those of you who are part of our body who are joined online, your testimonies coming in. Uh, the, can I say thank you for your generosity? Last week, we were able to significantly contribute to the building of bomb shelters and supply for the bloodmobile for Israel, for Vision for Israel through Barry and Batia Siegel. Thank you for your generosity. You're participating in the very saving of people's lives in Israel. Praise the Lord. But all of these things... Our victories we gain through patience and prayer. And so I've circled back around with a strong exhortation concerning the experience of corporate prayer together in the watch where we can continue to hear, to get a mouth and wisdom of the prophetic word of the Lord. And I would like for us, after we celebrate Thanksgiving, come into the holidays, I believe that it would be appropriate for us to take on afresh some of the hard questions that face you and I every day because of the political dynamics in this nation. It's time for the church to be delivered from being wrapped around the axle of who is our next Messiah by who we're going to elect and put in an office. We have a Messiah and he does have a perspective and a way and a will. But we need to hear and learn and gain it together that we may recover our true prophetic voice and be those lower lights burning and helping to guide ships into harbor to miss the rocky shoals that would otherwise break up people's lives because of the catastrophes, disasters, difficulties, and traumas that every human being, including Christians, face along the way say through your patience through my patience I possess my soul hallelujah so thank you for um, entertaining my bloviations this morning um, I in full disclosure I have been wrestling for the last several months over what the church in America is supposed to understand from these layered difficulties that are assaulting our nation. What our response to the political wrangling and dynamics is supposed to be. How we're supposed to understand and navigate the blatant spewing of lies that has overtaken our media, that has disrupted our very science, that is injecting itself into our medical care and various other things. Challenging and questioning human life and sexuality and all of those things. We have a voice. We have a voice, but we have a voice together, and we find that place in prayer. And so for the last minute of our time together, I want to show you a video that I believe is a natural parable, a natural illustration of what happens as we stand together as a living community and particularly continue to relate and participate with one another in prayer on everything every day and specifically in the Watch on Fridays. A few years ago, we were in Brighton, England, and in a, at a certain time in the evening, um, suddenly thousands and thousands of little starlings came from inland off of the fields out over the ocean. I'd never seen this before. This massive cloud of dancing birds, thousands of them all together, wheeling and turning in the air. It was breathtaking. And I said, what are we looking at? It turns out it's something called a murmuration. Say murmuration. Well, I had to look it up because as I was looking at it, I said, 
I am looking at a reflection in created nature of the kingdom of God, of believers, citizens of heaven, members of one another in the family of God, as we are present, hovering over our earth in prayers. And what I learned about these starlings is that instinctively they are given by God a relational connection to six other birds when they fly. So there are these little communities of sevens of birds, and each connection is slightly different. They share some similar connections and a few more. And it creates this massive lace, if you will. I couldn't figure out how so many of them could be flying at breakneck speed and not be running into one another, not knocking each other out of the air. As I watched it, I realized that any predatory birds, hawks, eagles, other things that would otherwise be able to pick off a little starling, they were completely repelled by this community that was dancing together. Uh, it just, it absolutely took my breath away. And I said, Lord, I'm looking at what it means to be in revival. To find your place in the body of Christ. To know who you have believed and know who he has given you as connection and family members. And coming together in prayer and worship on a regular basis. I'll tell you what, the nefarious thing about COVID in addition to threatening our very human existence was threatening the existence of the church by saying you cannot come together. I say come together as one. So. This, my friends, is a murmuration. Myriads of groups, seven birds related to one another in various patterns. Predatory birds cannot penetrate that and pick off little individual birds. And there seems to be no dynamic purpose other than the fact that they recognize every evening they belong in a community together. They have an ownership in that region. I can tell you there are hundreds of these kind of videos. I've been watching them for a couple of years now. And it takes my breath away every time. Look at the dive there. <laughs> For me, this is a picture of corporate prayer. Individual believers finding their place in the wider body of Christ and recognizing, even as we did on Friday night, we had smaller groups, communities, the seven little starlings, if you will, or 14 or 20 in Germany, in Sweden and various places. Look at that. Recognizing that we had come together in a concert of prayer for Anders and Gabby. Come together in a concert of prayer for Ron. Come together in a concert of prayer for Nadira and Abe or Tony and Peter. Praise the Lord. Are you burning? Are you burning, friends? Revival is upon us. <laughs> Revival is upon us. I'm going to ask Ed to let this continue to run. The worship team leads us, and I'm going to ask you to stand once again. With a fresh intake of certainty, absolute confidence, continued hope,
and not insisting, not insisting to see what we're hoping for because the Bible itself says you need to stand in that hope until glory comes. But if you see what you're hoping for, you're not standing in hope. Be refreshed as we sing together. Pastor Bonnie, can I mention something about that? Yes, please. I totally agree with that because it's the dynamic of our worship as well. Because as we come and give our worship and we're living sacrifices, you called, what's your name? Oh, Roxanne. Roxanne, you called Roxanne up. So in in the moment, in that swirling, she came up and I saw her make one spin and I got round and round right at that moment because of that same dynamic we are all yes we're all members one together and if we're to if we're if we're giving ourselves wholly in our worship we will all trigger one another it's like triggers keys triggers boom boom and it just that's how it happened that is if you want to know i mean this is practical it is practical completely practical worship because of her spin i got the round and round and then it just went from there and see that's the manifestation of the person of the holy spirit And that's one of the reasons it's crucial for you to continue to come and meet together because he is present and he's doing the work in each of us that we need. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Round and round. Around the throne we give praise. Round and round, around the throne we give
a feasting table, knowing that ultimately and utterly we have been given a seat at the ultimate banquet, that great feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we have an advocate, a father, a bridegroom, a brother, a friend who has set us in the midst of a great eternal company now and forever and we give you thanks today for all of those now we know that know us that you have given in our lives this beautiful and unique and sometimes squirrely family and we thank you for the joys we thank you for the opportunities. We thank you for the richness that is given to one another through our lives together. And we pray, advocate, comforter, teacher, guide, Holy Spirit, come, light afresh the fire of earnestness, reviving of faith and patience of hope and perseverance, Lord God, of experience to give us a mouth and wisdom in all of these things, knowing that, come on, saints, say it together with me, all things, all things work, together work together for good, for good to those who are called, those who are called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. Give the Lord some love. Hallelujah. Woo!